When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We are back after the little mini bye week, the Browns playing the Steelers on Halloween. And we start this week off with the Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Of course, we talk all about Baker Mayfield's injury, how it could affect his contract extension or a possible contract extension with the Browns. We get into the AFC North after the Bengals beat the Ravens and so much more. Now, our questions came from our Football Insider subscribers. If you're not a Football Insider subscriber, you should be. Go to clevelandcom slash Browns. Click on the blue banner at the top of the page to get info, get signed up, and get that daily newsletter delivered to your inbox. Get access to exclusive stories on clevelandcom slash Browns. And, of course, become one of our text subscribers. All right, let's do this. Our Tuesday Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Here we go on the Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Our Football Insider subscriber sent us in some questions. Let's get right to it. We'll start with Jay from Canton, Ohio. He has a question about Baker Mayfield and his contract. So there's some numbers floating out there, some reports here and there, pinning like 30 to $35 million to Baker Mayfield. Uh, just aside from that, Mary Kay, let's talk about this contract and how the shoulder um, impacts it. So Jay says, hey, Mary Kay, if you were Baker Mayfield's camp right now with his injured shoulder, would you sign an offer in the mid to high $30 million contract range? And I'll just tack on to that. What do you think the Browns are, are looking to do right now with that contract? Well, you know what? These are all great questions. And I really do think that, uh, that the shoulder injury and the slow start to this season has thrown a bit of a monkey wrench into the plans because... Uh, the plan was that right around the trade deadline, which is coming up here pretty soon on November 2nd, both sides had really kind of planned to be sitting down having substantive talks by then. And of course, we know what the going rate is for the class of 2018 franchise quarterbacks. Uh, it's in the uh, $43 million range for, uh, range for Josh Allen, and it will be similar, I believe, for Lamar Jackson. Now, Baker Mayfield doesn't have the resume that those two guys have, so he probably would have come in under that. But uh, this shoulder injury and the slow start, I think, uh, puts this thing on hold a little bit. I don't think anybody is rushing uh, to the bargaining table right at the moment. Uh, I think that Baker Mayfield wants to be negotiating from a position of strength. Uh, and I think the Browns want to know that they have, uh, you know, that they have a good, healthy quarterback and that everything's going to be fine and that he's going to be playing the way that they expect him to play. So this could be a situation where they let the season play out and see how everything goes and then get back at it in the off season. I don't know that is going to be the case, uh, but I feel like that might be the way this is headed. Now, in terms of the money, 
uh, I think mid to high threes right now, thirties right now would actually be, uh, you know, really good. And I think that, you know, that I think Baker's camp would be happy with something like that. Uh, but like I said, because they have picked up the fifth year option for 2022, I don't think that there's a sense of urgency to get this thing done. This might be let's wait and see and get back at it in the off season. Yeah, so I, I've been thinking about this with, because of this injury and how it could affect Baker beyond just, you know, what we've seen the last, you know, missing this game and then previous, the previous games that he played. You're kind of be going, you'll be going into this offseason, even if he ends up playing and, and into year five, not really fully knowing who Baker Mayfield is. Do you, I mean, do you think that presents a problem for the Browns or, or do you think that they believe in him regardless? I'll tell you what, from everything that I'm hearing, they still believe that he is the guy that can bring them, take them to, and win Super Bowls. It's my understanding that their faith in him hasn't been shaken. It hasn't wavered at all. But as I watch these games uh, on Sundays, and when I see a guy like Joe Burrow uh, beat, beating the Ravens yesterday, right? Yesterday, I was thinking to myself, you know, right at this moment, if we had to do a quarterback draft in the AFC North, Baker might come in third, right? Baker might come in third. And I think because of that, uh, that you might have to think a little bit about, uh, about that long-term blockbuster contract. Now, I've had other people talk to me about other ways that you can do this. And other ways that you can go about this would be uh, to franchise him after yeah. the option year. And then you can franchise him again after the first franchise year. Uh, so you could hang on to him for three more years after this uh, without having to shell out the enormous, uh, the enormous uh, signing bonus that you would have to give him with an extension. Now, having said that, I don't think that's how the Browns want to do business. I think that's how a team would want to do business if they weren't so invested in Baker Mayfield if they hadn't necessarily drafted him themselves, but Andrew Barry was on the staff when he was drafted, I still think they do believe in him. I think they want to wrap him up to a long-term contract extension. That franchise tag too, especially for a quarterback, kind of engenders some bad, it, mm -hmm. it can engender some bad blood, I guess I should say. It doesn't necessarily, um, you know, like Dak Prescott kind of bet on himself mm -hmm. and ended up getting paid a lot of money with the Cowboys, but you know, you look at Kirk Cousins, he got franchised a few years in a row, and then he ends up leaving and signing with Minnesota. I mean, there's some risk there. So, I mean, you can obviously keep the player, but there's some risk with what that kind of does to the player's mentality and, and kind of how he feels about the organization. Yeah, you're right, Dan. And heading into this season, that wasn't even in the thought process at all. The whole entire thing was, let's get this contract extension done as soon as we possibly can. Let's watch... Uh, this season unfold a little bit with Baker Mayfield and Kevin Stefanski's offense for the second year in a row for the first time that he had that continuity and see him build on what he did last year. The unfortunate thing is he hasn't been able to build on what he did last year. And, you know, I do think that uh, even, you know, even though I've talked to a lot of people and even though I'm hearing that, you know, they haven't changed how they feel about him. Uh, it, it still does put a little bit of a damper on things, I think, that he wasn't able to start out and kind of go gangbusters in the first half of this season. I mean, you thought it was going to happen. I thought it was going to happen. I think it has a lot to do with, with the shoulder injury, even though 
the torn labrum itself was not supposed to be a huge issue. I think the harness bothered him. I think he had to have it on tight enough or secure enough that he just really wasn't himself on the long ball. And he still isn't. He still hasn't been. Uh, he is 31st in the NFL. He has completed nine of 27 attempts of 20 yards or more. Again, 31st in the NFL. That's not how anyone expected Baker Mayfield to be at this point in the season. We thought he was going to be lighting it up, hitting Odell Beckham Jr., uh, going downfield, and uh, you know, and just really the leader of a very explosive offense. Uh, so I do think it puts a little bit of a damper on the whole thing that he hasn't been able to do that. I think they all need to get through this season, see how it all plays out. I mean, I wrote a column last week, Dan, saying that, I mean, I think that Baker needs to give some con serious consideration to undergoing the surgery sooner than later. Now, maybe it doesn't have to be right now. Maybe he should take the next step and the Browns should take the next step where they let him heal for a little while. Maybe even put him on IR for three weeks. Let the fracture heal up a little bit uh, and, and get him to the point where he's not in so much danger heading out there. But I think in a perfect world, I would let the season play out, see what happens, have him undergo the surgery, and then get back down to talking about the money in the offseason. Yeah, and then you just put up, you know, a few hours before we recorded this, that you think the, the prudent move here is to put Baker on IR now, which would put him out at least the next three games. So that would be Pittsburgh, uh, Cincinnati, which is certainly a huge game, <laughs> and, uh, and, and the Patriots. Um, but that, that maybe I guess there's almost a sense of maybe the Browns almost need to protect Baker from himself a little bit, because I think Baker, you know, he, he would joke after games that the, when you get asked about the shoulder, it's still attached. I, th I think Baker, even if it weren't still attached, as long as his throwing arm were on there, he, he would still try and get out there and play. Absolutely. 100%. He is so tough. He's tough as nails. He didn't even want to sit out this past game. He knew he had to, it was so swollen. He couldn't, you know, get the harness over it or the pads over it. And of course, uh, you know, that we come to find out that, you know, he had the fractured bone in there. Uh, so yeah, he wants to play. He absolutely 100% wants to play against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I watched a video and maybe you watched it yourself too, um, because I retweeted it uh, by, by Dr. David Chow. And he, uh, he basically said that with this fracture of the humor, humerus bone, which is the ball that sits inside the socket of the shoulder. So it, that's basically what is fractured here. And um, right now it's not that big of an issue. And so Dr. Chow's contention is that Baker Mayfield can continue to play on that through the rest of the season and you know get through the year and, and see how it goes and then have the surgery afterwards. He does need to have the torn labrum repaired, fully torn labrum. So, I mean, that is one option. And as of right now, the, the humerus bone is a non-displaced fracture. That means it's just, you know, it's just a, you know, it's just a break in that ball and it's not fragmented. If it were fragmented and it were broken up more, then you have to repair it with pins, screws, plates, whatever you have to do to get to keep that ball intact. But it's intact right now. The problem with that, and I was kidding around a little earlier saying that, that I know so much about this now, I actually probably could perform the surgery. Um, but the problem with that whole thing is that if you do take the wrong kind of a fall on the shoulder, or if you take the wrong kind of the hit on the shoulder, or it pops out again, 
which the likelihood of that is very high, uh, you can su sustain more fractures. You can make that fracture displaced. Um, you can injure your rotator cuff. I mean, the more the shoulder pops out, uh, the more injuries you are likely to get and the worse it can become. So right now it's a simple surgery. All they have to do right at this moment, if he did not play another down, is to go in there and sew up the torn labrum. That is an arthroscopic procedure that can be done on an outpatient basis. It still would require a four to six month recovery, but you're not looking at right now pins, screws, and plates. And while that's recovering, that, that break in the ball will heal on its own. That's where it stands right now today. If he goes out there on Sunday, let's say, and TJ Watt sacks him and he falls on that shoulder again, or TJ and Cam both fall on top of him, like we saw two defenders fall on top of Odell Beckham Jr. a week ago. Uh, you know, if something like that happens and that fracture gets worse or the rotator cuff becomes injured, or the or another part of the bone gets fractured or something, uh, then you could be looking at uh, a longer recovery and a more invasive surgery. So these are all things that he has to figure out with his people, with the Browns, with his wife. I mean, these are serious things to be talking about. Yeah, he's he's got to think about that long term. I mean, he doesn't want to play five years in the league. He wants to play 15, 20 you know, he, he wants to play for a long time and, and he's got to, you, you got to be a little selfish when it comes to injuries sometimes, you know, obviously in football, there's always that different difference between hurt and injured. And when we're talking about injuries, you, you've got to be a little selfish sometimes and, and think about your long-term career. So there was a name that came up from two of our texters who sent in questions. And I suppose this was inevitable, but let's say Baker was out for an extended period of time. Let's say he took your advice and was out for the year, or let's say he's out for I don't know, three months, something like that, um, which I guess would actually put you into January. So a, a couple folks, hey, Mary Kay, is Cam Newton an option for the Browns if Baker Mayfield will be out for a while? Well, you know, that's an interesting question. And I think the first thing that they have to determine is, are they going to put him on our IR and try to let him rest for a while? When I did some of the math, uh, it looked like uh, one doc told me that the kind of fracture that Baker has in there in order to, for it to heal the where, you know, where you're not going to be worrying about it breaking into a, a bigger break or and fragmenting would be a minimum of four to six weeks. So, you know, six weeks roughly, you'd be looking at somewhere around the bye week from the time he did it, uh, which is in week 13 of the season. Uh, if you let it go that long, uh, then you would be looking at him coming back in time to face the Baltimore Ravens a second time and to be playing the last, like, whatever, five, five games of the season or four or five games of the season, uh, and then hopefully the playoffs. So that's one way to go about this is just like try to let him get to a safe point. If you do that and you know he's coming back, then I think you can let Case Keenum hold down the fort for you for this four, five, six week period because they have such a good running game. I think they, they've got enough guys coming back. Their tackles are coming back. Nick Chubb is coming back. Jarvis is coming back. Odell is going to be injured the rest of the season, but he's back for the most part. Uh, 
the defense, you know, I think the defense is pretty healthy, except Denzel might be out a little bit. I think the defense is going to get better. So the point is, you might be able to get by with Case Keenum for the next five weeks and then have Baker come back and see if he can take you home and get you into the playoffs and take you where you want to go. If, if you determined that Baker was going to be out for a, for a longer period of time, then that's when I think you start to, to think more about uh, another quarterback like a Cam Newton or, or trading for, you know, trading for someone else. Um, but right now I don't think they need to do that. And I think they have confidence that case can get the job done for them as long as they need him to. Yeah. Cam is complicated because it's not, first of all, we don't know exactly how good Cam Newton is anymore. The last time we saw him play, it wasn't great, but also like, he's just a different kind of quarterback than Baker Mayfield. And in this system, you know, he should in theory be better than Case Keenum as long as he's not the guy we saw last year. Maybe he's the guy we saw a couple of years ago, but you, if you bring him in, you can't just plug and play cam. I, I, I just, at least that's not the way I see it. I don't think you can just plug and play him into this system. I think it's just too different. I, I think they've got Keenum, they've got Nick Mullins. And if they made a move, it would probably be to maybe bolster the quarterback depth if Baker were going to be out for a while, it wouldn't be for a guy who's going to start. I think it's kind of, I think it's kind of ride or die with Case Keenum here. If Baker's going to be out for a while. I think so too. Like you said, I mean, Case was totally plug and play. I mean, nobody knows this system better than Case Keenum. And, you know, you can do the exact same things with Case that you can do with Baker. Maybe not exactly, you know, you're not going to get the exact same result. You're not going to get, you know, maybe some of the slipperiness and the shiftiness that, that you get from Baker. You're not going to get the, the downfield arm strength that you're going to get from Baker Mayfield. Uh, but just in terms of sheer being able to run this Kevin Stefanski offense, he's got it. And that counts for something. And we know that he went 11 and three for, for Kevin Stefanski. It was a while ago. It was in 2017. Uh, but he did that because of uh, his mastery of the scheme and his just experience, his vision, his ability to get the ball out quickly. And I think that, you know, what you saw the other night, you have to think about this, is that he did that without taking any first team reps. They had one practice, they had one practice on Tuesday of last week before the Thursday night game. And Baker came running out of the field house and took those first team reps because he wanted to play. So Case didn't even get those first team reps. And I just think that if he practices, with these guys, develops a little bit of timing with Odell, develops some timing with Jarvis, uh, that he that you can get by with him. Okay, not not saying that uh, you know that he's you know the next Patrick Mahomes, but I mean he can get the job done for you until Baker comes back if he comes back. So I I want to ask this because um, this is something I've been I've I've thought about with Case. Was he running this, this system in Minnesota? Well, not this precisely this system, not precisely this system, uh, but it was very much was, the, yeah. Cause that was, was Shermer. Yes, it was Pat Shermer and it was very, very much the West okay. coast offense, but it was not, it was not certainly the Kyle Shanahan, Gary Kubiak, Mike Shanahan, Sean McVay offense that, that, that we know as we know it now. 
that's obviously the one that Kevin Stefanski went back for that final year in Minnesota as offensive coordinator and worked with Gary Kubiak and learned that the bootlegging play action, you know, tight end, heavy wide zone scheme, that whole, all the hallmarks of that Gary Kubiak, Mike Shanahan offense. That is not really necessarily what, uh, what case ran, but he ran elements of it elsewhere. Remember he was yeah, I mean, in Washington. But, but to a lot of that is based in that West coast. Yes. It's, it's all very sort of, it all sort of grows out of that West Coast tree, I guess. Absolutely. Uh, there are variations on it. And, and remember also that, um, you know, that he did play in Washington. He, you know, he started in Washington in 2019. So there were elements of it there, right? Um, so, you know, he knows, he knows this now knows this is his second year in the scheme too. So he knows the nuances and the, and the variances of the scheme. And furthermore, and this is important, Kevin Stefanski knows him. Okay. Right. He knows, he knows when he can roll out. He knows when he can get away from trouble. He knows what he can do on third down. He knows generally how far he can throw the football. Uh, he knows what he does on an out route. Uh, he, he knows what Case Keenum is capable of. And even more so, maybe than he knows of Baker Mayfield. I mean, he's starting to really know, right? I mean, he, I mean, he now has been with Baker Mayfield for a full season and some playoffs and a few games. Um, but he did have eleven and three with Case, and then was it two two playoff games? And then he had two playoff games or three playoff games. Right. Uh, yeah. It was it was two. They had the bye. Okay, so they had two playoff games. So you're talking about, you know, almost the same amount of, of games that he called for, for Case. Well, not he wasn't calling the plays, but that he's coached Case, that he's now coached Baker. Um, so he knows Case really well. He knows exactly what he can do and when and how, and he has a comfort level with calling the, calling the game for him. And I think that's important. And I think that's another reason why if they have to go without Baker Mayfield for any length of time, they're comfortable with Case. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just sort of being in that room with him during that year. He obviously, he obviously learned a lot uh, about Case that he liked because the Browns certainly made an effort uh, to bring him in to be the guy to, to work in, in these situations. Um, another name that came up in a few questions, of course, was Dearness Johnson, who had that incredible game on Thursday Night Football. Uh, so Rory from Wisconsin Dells is wondering about Dearness Johnson's role uh, when everyone is back and healthy. So hey, Mary Kay. Do you think Dearness Johnson showed he's a viable back to add into the normal mix once Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are both back on the field? I paraphrased your question there a little bit, Rory, but uh, that's kind of what you were getting at. It is a good question because what do you do with this amazing running back now? He showed uh, great vision. Uh, he showed, you know, really good cutback ability. He showed good speed. Uh, all the things that you want to see in a running back. It was a tremendous performance by Dearness Johnson. Uh, but I still firmly believe that when Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are both back healthy, you know, those guys are going to be your uh, number one and number two backs, just like they have been. Uh, I think they would like to try to find, carve out a role and, and some things for Dearness to do. He certainly showed uh, that he deserves it, but there are only so many footballs to go around. And um, I don't know. I don't know how you're going to find uh, enough carries for all those three guys to get them. It will be interesting. 
Yeah, this is just one of those situations where you've got to step back and ask yourself, you know, do you want Dearness Johnson to have that carry over Nick Chubb? Or do you want Dearness Johnson? I don't know how much of a factor he is in the passing game. He hasn't done a lot of it. Uh, but, but do you want him getting the ball instead of Kareem Hunt? And unfortunately, and it's nothing against Dearness, I think a lot of times the answer is going to be no. At the same time, maybe they can find a series or two for, for Dearness as this thing moves forward. Yeah, it's always good to have a changeup. And, you know, we've seen other other teams use three running backs in a game. And so I do think, uh, you know, it's another way to keep guys fresh. And once again, you're talking about, uh, you know, it's a marathon. I mean, you've got to get all the way through 17 games. And, uh, and then they're hoping to play in four playoff games after that. So, uh, you know, it is a way to keep guys fresh. And it is also a way to let Kareem Hunt heal up as much as he needs to with that calf injury. And, you know, that, that's good for him because when he comes back, you want him to stay back. Same thing with Nick, who practiced today as we uh, are taping this on uh, Monday. Uh, but you, got, you want those guys to stick around. You want them to be there for the long haul. There's been too many soft tissue injuries on this football team. I mean, they're just way too many. Um, so it's great to know that you have a guy like Dearness that, that can fill in for you when, when needed. Yeah, and, and Kareem is probably a four to six week injury. So who knows what's who knows what the situation will be in four to six weeks? You know, you just you don't know. So many things can change in this league uh, from from week to week. You just never quite know exactly what is going to happen. OK, we had a lot of questions about the Ravens and Bengals game. Browns fans uh, yesterday got to watch the Ravens and the Bengals play. The Bengals go into Baltimore uh, and win that game. And. So a lot of people kind of wanting to bring that up. And we'll just start with this one from Buddy from Dallas. Hey, Mary Kay, at the end of the season, will the Bengals still be in contention to win the division? Just to put this all in perspective, if the playoffs started today, Cincinnati would have the number one seed and a bye, and the Browns would travel to Las Vegas uh, as the seventh seed to play the Raiders. So things are weird right now in the AFC playoff picture. Uh, but basically what Buddy from Dallas is asking you, Mary Kay, is if you believe in the Bengals right now. You know what? I, I do now. I do now. <laughs> I was a little bit leery, a little bit skeptical because it's the Bengals. We've talked numerous times about how much we all admired the game that Joe Burrow has. I mean, he's a really good quarterback. And like I said, right at this very moment, if we had to draft the AFC North quarterbacks, I think you would probably put, I think you'd go, Joe Lamar, not really sure how we put those yet. Be interesting to figure that one out. Uh, and then Baker would be third, right? I mean, right? Is that how you would do it? Sorry, I was muted because my dog was barking. <laughs> <laughs> would would yes. you go? Okay, so who, who would you I, go I first? Think, I think you'd have to go. I think you'd go Lamar one, um, Burrow two. And right now, like this is in the moment, Baker three. Right. Had we done this in the offseason, though, maybe we would have gone Baker, too. Yeah. And some depends, Baker. I guess it depends on where you think Burrow. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a little, it's fluid there, I guess. But right now, in this moment, yeah, I would say Burrow or Lamar have to go one. And one, they'd have to go one, two, and then Baker would have to go three. 
Yeah. And, and like you said, in the moment right now, we're dealing with a, an injured Baker Mayfield. Right. So I think that, you know, that is a huge factor in what we're saying. If Baker Mayfield were 100% healthy and lighting it up, like he, he were doing at the end of last season, we would probably feel very differently about this right now, but wow, what a game Joe Burrow had. I mean, my goodness, uh, that was phenomenal. They are very impressive. Uh, you know, he's got the, uh, the tremendous connection with Jamar Chase. That is going to be tough to beat. And I do think they're for real because their defense is playing well as, as well. So I think they're for real. And I think it changes. I think it changes the picture. I think the Bengals have uh, caught everybody by surprise and they're making some noise in the AFC. And I don't know if they can sustain it. I mean, it, it'll sure make things interesting if they can't. Uh, but the Browns have uh, uh, something to worry about now with the Bengals. This whole, whole entire offseason, we kept on saying, two-team race, two-horse race, two-horse race. Browns, Ravens, Browns, Ravens. Quietly, those Bengals were probably saying, just you wait, just you <laughs> wait, right? right. Um, and, and here they are, springing themselves on everyone and playing some really darn good football to the point where that is going to be one heck of a football game two weeks from now in Cincinnati. And as we have mentioned before, not even sure Baker Mayfield's going to be playing in that game. Yeah. It, it feels like the Bengals defensively are a year ahead of schedule right now. Uh, you, you know, I, I've always kind of liked the weapons they've been building and then you add Jamar chase and we've seen kind of what he's done for Burrow. Um, I mean, they're, they have some of the best weapons. I, I think you can put their weapons up against anybody in, in football. Um, just receive, talking receivers and running backs, and that they belong right in that discussion. But yeah, defensively, you know, not not to pat myself on the back here, but I'm going to. Trey Hendrickson, fourth in the league in pressures this year with 36 and, mm -hmm. and six and a half sacks. They paid him a lot of money. There was a little risk there as to whether he was a guy that benefited from playing across from Cam Jordan. You know, he's arrived and been really good. It seems like Larry Ogunjobi has been really good for them, kind of. You know, he's a guy that I was sort of out on. Obviously, the Browns were, were out on him as well as they let him walk and, and went in a different direction. It seems like, without looking up his grades or anything, it seems like he's making plays for them. Uh, they, they've, been, they've been really good defensively. They've got a really good safety. Um, they, they've got some pieces on that defense, and it feels like maybe that defense has arrived a little bit, maybe a year ahead of schedule, and now all of a sudden the Bengals are on top of the AFC North. Yeah, it, it's, it's pretty amazing to see how this has happened. And there are teams that, that will do this each year. They just seem to kind of come out of nowhere and they surprise you. And when I was watching uh, some of that game yesterday uh, or pregame, it may have been, but they were talking about how um, one of the analysts was saying that they believe that the safety tandem, or maybe the Bengals believe that their safety tandem is second to none in the NFL, that they have two really, really good safeties. And that's going to make it really challenging uh, for the Cleveland Browns when they have to play them. I mean, this, I think it, um, it just ratchets up the intensity in this division race, which is going to be a dog fight all the way to the end. And as you know, I mean, this is where it starts. The Browns are just now uh, playing their first AFC North game on Sunday. Then they play uh, the Bengals after that. So it's, it's going to start to really heat up. And then you go a couple more weeks and then you have those, back-to-back uh, -back Baltimore Ravens game. So the, by, by the time they get through that second Ravens game after the bye, 
which is uh, will, will be in week 14, uh, we're going to have a really, really good idea of, of who's going to uh, take that top spot in the AFC North and win this division. And who knows, it might be a different team than we thought. And, you know, here's the thing. The Browns have all their division games left. So mm-hmm. it's right. I mean, they can win their way into an AFC North title at, at yep. this point. They have every single, starting this week, they have every single division game left. So having that backloaded division schedule is, it could benefit them. Um, and they've got a chance, look, they've got a chance to win some games here. Uh, I, you know, I think they're a better team than Pittsburgh. They've got the Lions. They've got, you know, that Patriots game is going to be tough. Um, but they, they've got some opportunities here to win some games before they play that first of that, that back-to-back against Baltimore. Yeah, it, it's, it's really going to be, um, it's going to go all the way right down to the end, right? I mean, let me look at the schedule again real quick, but um, they finish with the Bengals. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it could come right down to the season finale, right? I mean, that game could be compl- 100% meaningful in terms of who's making the playoffs, who's winning the AFC North, and it makes it exciting. I mean, it's unfortunately for the Browns, they have another AFC team that they really have to worry about this season. Cause I don't really think they have to worry about the Steelers making a run for the division. I just, you know, we, we've never thought that we always thought it was going to be Ravens and Browns. And now there's a new kid on the block and they look pretty darn good. Yeah. I'm kind of looking, getting into the schedule game here. Uh, way looking way ahead the Bengals they still have to play the Chargers um, they got the 49ers uh, in that 17th game not it's not actually week 17 but that in that extra game yeah. uh, they still have the Chiefs on their schedule and I don't know what that means at this point <laughs> it's mm. January 2nd so maybe the Chiefs will have it figured out by then but um, they, they do still have the Chiefs on the schedule they do still have the Chargers on the schedule um, you know, they've already played the Lions, uh, the Ravens, the Ravens have it tough. So both the Browns and the Ravens have to play the Packers after they play each other twice in three weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Ravens also have the Rams on January 2nd. So that, that becomes interesting. They go after that Browns, that two and three weeks when they play the Browns, they go Packers at Bengals home against the Rams and they finish with the Steelers. So you go into that final month, it's going to be really interesting how all of this is going to play out. It might come down to sort of how those, those final four games play out. And of course, you know, the Packers are, are going to get to play a role in all of this. Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, I have always said this, that strength of schedule is so vitally important and the Ravens and the Steelers really have it tough in that regard. But as you mentioned, I mean, the Bengals still have some really tough games coming up. And the Browns have some tough games coming up as well, although they've, you know, they've played a couple of their tougher opponents already. Um, I mean, who, gosh, who thought that the, uh, you know, the Cardinals, when, when they acquired the 17th game, that they were going to get, you know, that the Cardinals were going to be world beaters this season, right? I mean, you looked at that one and thought, oh, okay, you know, the Cardinals at home, you know, they should, they should be okay there. They were not okay there. Um but once again, as we talk about all this, Dan, what just keeps coming to mind is the, the truth of the matter is, I mean, knowing Baker Mayfield the way that we know Baker Mayfield from covering him since 2018, I think we, 
have a hard time envisioning or imagining that he won't be playing all of these games, but there is a chance that he might not be playing all of these games. And, and that will be a factor. That will be a factor in how all of this plays out. Yeah, it, it should be interesting. This race has certainly, Cincinnati has, has thrown a wrench into things. And now that game two weeks from now, is, that's going to be an exciting football game. Uh, it's, it's in Cincinnati. Um, it's just, it, it, you know, it's one of those games you look forward to. And I think at the beginning of the year, it was one of those games that we all just sort of wrote off. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, in, in fact, I mean, I'm going to be, I mean, we're taping this on Monday. I'm writing, I'm going to be writing a little bit about uh, now. That is the truth. The Browns have to really worry about the Bengals. They've got to circle that game. Uh, they, they've got, you know, their defense has not necessarily played all that well. And that's going to be a game that is going to be really tough. Their defense is going to have to be on point for that game. And look, Denzel Ward suffered a hamstring injury. He did not practice today as we're taping this on Monday. He did not practice in this little bonus day that they had of practice. Who knows if he'll even be back for that game? I mean, they could be down there, you know, their lockdown corner when they have to go up against Joe Burrow and that, uh, you know, that now explosive offense. So, um, yeah, the, the Browns, uh, they really are going to have to get good in a hurry uh, to stay in this race and, and to, to climb back up atop the AFC North. Yeah, they've just sort of got to hang. Maybe that bye week will come at the right time for them. I know it's tough having that bye in week 13, but um, they're, they're certainly going to be fresh for that that final stretch of five games where, where this division could get decided. So uh, maybe in a, in a weird way, if they can sort of survive these next five weeks, uh, they, they that bye week will end up helping them out. Okay, our Football Insider subscribers came through uh, with – bunch of good questions for us so we appreciate you all uh submitting those if you're not a football insider subscriber go to cleveland.com slash browns click that blue banner at the top of the page and also make sure you're subscribed to our podcast wherever you listen to your podcast we're back on our normal schedule here coming out of that short week in the mini buy so we'll be back with you with the normal podcast schedule so subscribe so it just pops up right on your phone as soon as it goes live all right mary Kay, i'll talk to you later sounds great